Radio. Well, I think most of us are f- absolutely fascinated by the universe and today we're going a little bit further with Professor Stephen Tengay, Executive Director of the Curtin Institute of Radio Astronomy. Thank you for taking that trek across <laughs> through the university to get to us, Stephen. Yeah, no worries. A little bit, bit warm, but... Bit warm. <laughs> You're a great bloke. Um, out in the universe, it's a different ball game, isn't it? Now, your group are exploring how much demand there is to go to Mars. What, what's in, you know, interested you in this angle? Uh, yeah, so it's not, not so much the fact that, uh, that we're necessarily studying it, but it, it's a big topic uh, in the news at the moment. It has a lot of public interest. Um, yeah, so we've been um, asked to make some comments on the general situation of... Uh, humanity getting out into space going to the moon going to mars and and maybe beyond yeah i remember as a young mother watching in 1967 mm-hmm. okay the landing of the moon mm-hmm. and if anyone was around at that time it was a black and white blurred vision of the men jumping out in their suits onto the moon's surface mm-hmm. and it stayed with me i remember that my son was very young at the time i walked out and I, it was daytime here and said up there there are people walking on that planet that is fascinating so they're explorers this is what it's about isn't it yeah and uh certainly going back to the moon still captures the public's imagination in that same way so making that connection watching what was happening on television going outside and actually seeing the moon with your own eyes and realizing that there were humans and machines on the surface that uh just brings everything back home into a human context um that imagination has stayed with us um just this morning, uh, NASA put their first object uh, back on the moon after 50 years. So Gosh. those those steps are being retaken as we speak. But we haven't set anyone set anyone back up there personally, have we? No, but that yeah. is the next planned step is un- it? under the Artemis program: is to perhaps establish a, a permanent human presence on the moon. In what way? Well, a moon base, like a, you see in the moon, like you see in the movies. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking construction of some sort. Yeah, which is enormously uh, complicated. So you've you've got to send a lot of material. You've got to be able to construct something and make it capable of supporting humans on a permanent basis. So that's an enormous engineering feat. Wow, that certainly is. I mean, they've obviously been working on it for a long time. Mm-hmm. So you know the conditions. Obviously, they're going to have to t- take all the materials up there. Mm-hmm. So what about weightlessness and that sort of thing? Uh, well, the moon has gravity. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Mu- much less than the Earth. So yeah, famous footage of astronauts jumping up into the air yeah. and hopping across the surface in you know giant strides. So, um, but. Um, Yes, you're definitely still connected to the so surface of the moon. When you say a permanent <coughs> construction up there, so it'd be like a hotel. <laughs> you have somebody uh, up there doing exper- not particularly maybe glamping. <laughs> glamping. <laughs> so it'll be a solid construction, would it? Well, it's got to be airtight. It's Air- got yeah. to uh, have food production, for example, yes, uh, circulate air, create oxygen. Uh, so the the, the lander that. Um, apparently successfully landed on the moon this morning um perth time um landed at the south pole uh where there are craters that are in permanent shade um and there's likely to be uh, an abundance of ice yeah so that ice would be a fundamental building block so from ice you get water you can uh, extract hydrogen you can have energy um and so having energy sources on the moon it would be very important so uh, this mission this morning um, is aimed at exploring that South Pole region of the Moon. That ice would be very old. 
it's possible uh, that those craters have been out of the sun for maybe billions of years. And so ice has accumulated and stayed in that state for millions, possibly billions of years. That is old ice. Would, yes. Would scientists get information from that at all? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Wow. Extracting the composition. Um, yeah. Can you extract it? Can you utilise it? How much of it is there? So some pretty basic questions that they need to ask. It's the ever-asking question, I suppose. How how were planets formed? You know, I don't think any of us really know 100%. Do you think we'd, we'll ever find out? I think we've got a pretty good idea of how planets form. Um, In fact, using some radio telescopes, we can observe planetary systems in the process of forming um, elsewhere in our galaxy. Really? Uh, Yeah. So It um, happens, it continues? It happens continuously. As new stars are born, uh, planetary systems are born around them. That's how our uh, solar system would have formed. Yeah. Um, And you start with a lot of small objects that collide together and form bigger objects yeah. and eventually you have some planets asteroids comets i think it's probably even going back further in the our simple minds how in fact the first thing something had to start the egg, uh, the yes. egg or the whatever <coughs> oh, yes. yeah how did, when did that happen and how did that happen you know what was it was infinity i mean yeah Oh, well, the, um, the, 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 the good old Big Bang, the, the event yeah. that we uh, label as the Big Bang, which, uh, yes, as far as we know, is the, the origin of all of space, all of time, all of matter and all of energy, um, yeah. 13.8 billion years ago. Unbelievable. It's, it's, it's so fascinating. And we were just talking, we'll get to Mars in a moment, but we were just talking about a brilliant documentary mm-hmm. on uh, ABC at the moment called Earth. Mm-hmm. And you were saying that it, they've done it very, very well, haven't they? But they've sort of made out that the human being is, a, is the greatest species of everything. Uh, yeah, so it's a very impressive uh, series and it goes back through the history of the Earth and puts many, many things, including our current state of affairs, into some, some really good context. Um, but maybe it's just me being overly sensitive, but... Um, you have an I understanding. Pick, ...picked up on the narrative that... Um, you know, somehow humans are the culmination point of everything that's occurred before, and um, I think we stuff everything special. up. I think we stuff everything up. Oh well, we <laughs> you know there are pros and cons to everything, including humans. Um, I know, but uh, that that was the only small beef I had with the. Um, it is worth seeing, though. It yeah. really does explain an awful lot, and it's a brilliant production. It's fantastic. Now, Mars. We're talking. Mars is even further out, isn't it? Uh, yes. Well, Mars is. Um, our closest neighbour planet going out of the solar system and uh, Venus going towards the sun. So Mars is one of the closest uh, planets to us. Oh, two closest. Sorry. Okay. Mm. Okay. Uh, and and so it's one, it's it's our nearest neighbour. How in, long in would it take respects. to get there? Uh, it to, yeah. Don't don't quote me, but uh, it's, it's it's probably weeks to get there. Yeah, I'd have, to, I'd have to look that up, but I mean, yeah, that's a long time sitting yeah. in a, some sort of spaceship. Well, that's right, but the, the people that travel there are very excited about it, aren't they? Some people are, yeah. Um, what could we expect on Mars? Uh, well, Mars is, um, in some respects, um, not completely dissimilar to the Earth. There's, there's, there's no surface water. There, there may well be uh, buried buried water and ices and there is ice content at the uh, at the poles there are massive mountains there are huge valleys there are great plains 
Um, Vegetation? No, no, no life of any description okay. that we're aware of. Uh, but it is possible that that in the past or even perhaps now there there is some form of life on Mars. So a big part of going to Mars is to ask that question and yeah. engage in that search. What sort of life would be there at the moment? There's been experiments carried out there, have there, and they've found what sort of life is it? Uh, well, no, no, no one has ever found any evidence for life on Mars. Oh, I thought you at, said at there the was moment, a little, or even historically, they're going to look for it. They're, they're going to look for it, but you know, drilling under the surface into ices. Um, you know, perhaps microbial life of some form or something similar. You can't ever, you, you can't help but think that maybe at one stage, maybe millions of years back, there may have been some form of life. Well, absolutely. There, there's no surface water at the moment, but I think there's good evidence yeah. that in the past there has been surface water. Yeah. There are, you know, signs of erosion. There's similar sort of geological features as what we find on the earth so i was wondering um, when you say the mountains and so on i mean what would have not that you know life would have created them but you had to have something creating the landscape yeah ab ab absolutely yeah. and it's probably a, a combination of different things um uh impacts from asteroids and, and, and oh, all right. sorts of things will have an effect but yeah there, there are massive mountains um there are huge valleys and it's no water whatsoever so there's absolutely no vegetation or animal life or anything no i get that yeah. there I is mean, a there's a thin atmosphere okay. um but it's not something that would, would automatically you, support life you couldn't live up there or anything like you're thinking of the mm -hmm. moon you'd have to have special oh yes it'd be a similar sort of uh base okay. um environment to support life the situation with NASA looking, sending out, asking people if they're interested, not just your average guy because they couldn't afford it, but you're talking about the big spenders. Why do you think they're doing that? Uh, well, this is quite a new thing for NASA, is a much bigger emphasis on a deeper partnership with uh, the commercial world, delivering parts of missions that typically, historically, NASA would have delivered themselves. Uh, so, for example, the... Um, the mission that uh, landed on the moon this morning was a mission that was uh, developed and run and operated by a private enterprise, a company called Intuitive Machines, and NASA contracted them to provide the vehicle to go to the moon. Oh, um, they provided it. They didn't have to pay for it, the company. The oh, no, no. NASA paid the bill. Oh, okay. um, And the commercial provider took the contract and delivered the, uh, delivered the mission. Uh, so NASA have uh, instruments on that on that lander as a platform for experimentation, but um, effectively the mission was delivered by the commercial sector, and so that's the new model. That what do they get out of it? A profit. Okay. What in what <laughs> way? Because they the technology is used for people down here. Uh, well, they're, they're a business. They're okay. a commercial supplier of oh. space services. Oh, that's okay. So they would have a profit margin the same as any other business. Like a transportable company. Oh, like like, yeah. like, like any company yeah. that needs to make money. I understand. I thought, yeah. yeah, okay. I thought they might have had interest of experiments that would be carried out out there. Uh, I think they. I mean, they sold. I think they sold uh, space on the on the mission for other payloads. Okay. And I, I guess that the purpose behind this is to then stimulate that commercial sector via those contracts uh, such that the commercial sector you know, gains greater skills, a bigger critical mass and are more capable of delivering even more advanced things in the future. So that equipment up there is to stay for some time? 
Oh, that, that will be there forever, probably. Oh, for, okay. Yeah, okay. There, I don't think there's... So is it doing anything whilst it's up there? Uh, it will be operational for about a week, is its design lifetime. To do what? Uh, look into the, uh, the South Pole region of the moon, look at the ice... Um, Visual stuff? Take some back? samples. Uh, yeah, perhaps. I think so. Okay, so it's uh, remotely controlled? Yes, it's, it's all remotely controlled. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And I think one of their objectives was to look at how the landing uh, operation... So you you you, you uh, burn a thruster, which slows your descent, and you hopefully make a, a soft touchdown. But uh, that thruster then sort of blasts the surface of the melts the ice. Uh, maybe melts the ice, blasts the dust away, and they they, they like to have a look at the effects. Is it a of big that. item? Do you uh, think it's about four meters in okay. length? I think it's quite a large object. It's incredible, isn't yeah. it? Uh, it's obvious to ask you, though, do you think people will eventually, especially private enterprise in these early stages, do you think they want to go up, just have a look and come back and a bit of a holiday for people? And um, I'm sure that's the motivation for some people. Um, there's always been a, a great desire from a certain sector of people to go and live in space. Um, but I think there's a, a very wide range of motivations. There's the, the research motivation, some of which we just uh, talked through a little bit, um, there's a commercial uh, motivation. I think there's a lot of people who talk about mining the moon, mining asteroids, mining Mars. Um, and then I think there's just um, some ideological sort of motivation as well. That is the yeah. uh, desire to strike out into the universe and go to new places. First time explorer. Yeah. What about Elon Musk? Is he looking at the technical side of uh, up there or more private situation? Uh, well, I, I would I would say um, SpaceX, which is Elon Musk's company, is possibly the the biggest driver of the the technology at the moment. Um, I'm sure your listeners have um, watched some of the, the the broadcasts and the YouTube um, footage of uh, yeah. Starship being tested, uh, which is an enormous spacecraft. Um, no qualms blowing those things up in the name of uh, you know, perfecting the design, which is pretty spectacular. It's a lot of money, isn't it? It's a lot of money, um, <laughs> and it's a very, very bold but successful yeah. engineering engineering approach. We've had a few disasters in the past, haven't we? Mm -hmm. We've lost people, and um, but we're progressing all the time, do you think? As, uh, as far as you know, safety is concerned, that sort of thing? Yeah, well, with, with human space travel, safety is the, the number one yeah. imperative, uh, just like getting on a plane, I suppose. Um, yeah, as, as, as I mentioned earlier, the, um, this morning's landing on, on the moon is the first time NASA's put something on the surface of the moon for 50 years. Yeah, So I'm not sure I'd call that um, continuous progress when you've got a 50-year gap. That is true. There's a lot of pressure on NASA, isn't there, at all times to be successful? And you're saying 50 years, that is a long time. There must have been a few considerations. Was it worth it? You know, look at the cost of it all and that mm -hmm. sort of thing? Oh, absolutely. These, yeah. um, these program decisions are analysed to death um, over the course of a long time. Yeah. Very expensive. Uh, but going to the moon is the first step in going to Mars and having a human presence on Mars, which is the, wow. the bigger long-term picture. You must be very excited about this. Would you ever want to go? No. Nope. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> 
I'm glad I asked that. Everyone asks that sort of thing. But I've got yeah, no desire. No. Well, it's interesting <laughs> that you love the you know the career that you're in and everything involved. And is that something that you've always been in jail, you know wanted to get more involved in as a child? You grew up and thought, I said, that's what I'm going to be doing. Uh, literally, yes. Um, yeah, from about the age of five. Astronomy and astrophysics was the uh, was was the goal for some reason, and it's been Incredible. pretty one track mind since then. Good on you. That's mm. great. We need people like you. That's fantastic. Hope you keep us in keep in touch with us. You mm. know, and uh, we can inform others listening. I'm sure they're just as interested in what's going on out there. Thank you, Professor Stephen Tingate. Radio.